0: Today on Grace to
1: the Hearers with Pastor Eric Cluth. Say you're not uh, around church family anymore. Maybe you're by yourself. Are you going back to your sinful ways? If there's no accountability around you, if there's nothing that to say, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong," do you slip back into those sinful ways? Because here we're seeing that Israel did that. Their judge, Ehud, who brought them back to the Lord, was dead. And so the children of Israel then reverted back to their sinful, wicked ways. Have
0: you ever seen a cartoon where the character has a little angel and a little devil vying for influence? If only it were that easy. In reality, when you're indulging your flesh, you've already pushed the spirit aside. But the reverse holds true as well. Walking in the Spirit, seeking God, will subdue the lure of the flesh. Now here's Pastor Eric in the book of Judges, chapter 4, verse 1, with part 1 of his message entitled, Why Do We Worship?
1: We're going to look at Israel's fourth judge. We looked at Athenael, Ehud, and Shamgard. And tonight we're going to look at the fourth judge of Israel, which was Deborah, And uh, in our text tonight, we will see the importance of walking in the Spirit of God and also the importance of obeying the calling of God. And so as we read tonight's chapter, I really want to just challenge you guys. This is more than just words on a page. This is more than just uh, words. This is God's word. As I was teaching the kids last night out at the college, I, I was teaching them how to have quality time with God. And the first thing to know that with quality time with God is understand what you're reading about God is from God. And know that, yes, God used man to write down his words, but who inspired those words? God did. And so tonight, and and even encouraging you in your own personal time with the Lord, when you're reading this thing, know that it's God's love letter uh, to you, and he wants you to grow by it. You know, real quickly, it goes off topic, but I don't care. I told them, if you go back to your junior high days, okay? Your junior high days, we can maybe remember that, right? Not saying that you guys are old, but... But when you got your, like, a a note from a a boy or a girl, right? Remember, you guys would just, like, look at it. Or maybe it was just me, because I didn't get too many of them. I, I would just, like, look at them. And I'm like, wow, what does this note mean? And I'd be, like, tapping my buddies on the shoulder. Hey, what does she mean by, do you like ice cream? You know? I'd be dissecting every single word of that note. Well, let's go on a bigger picture. The God of the universe has written you his word. What does it mean? Hey, what does God mean when he says that he loves you? What does that mean? You know, well, he means he loves you (laughs) with agape love, that sacrificial love. Anyways, keep that in mind as we're studying tonight. We need the helper as well, the Holy Spirit, to teach us. Okay, so we're going to get right into it, you guys. Verses 1 through 3, we're going to look at walking in the Spirit Chapter 4, verse 1, when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth, Hegium. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. We're not going to read verse 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, which we just did. So here we see Ehud, which we learned about last week. He was the guy that was a left-handed man, right? And he took his dagger and stuck it into the king's belly, and the belly of the king's just ate it up and then he died. (laughs) Pretty intense. But now we see that Ehud was dead and the children of Israel did what, you guys? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it says that this wasn't their first time. It says the word again. Again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So we will see the result of them doing evil. Verse 2 tells us that the Lord then sold them into the hand of Jabin the king of Canaan. So here we see that the result of doing evil Israel was taken captive by the king Jabin the king of Canaan. And Jabin had a commander uh, for his army and his name was Sisera. And Sisera you guys will play a big part of our le- lesson here a little bit later. But Jabin, you know, he had a strong army. We just read that he had how many, how many chariots? 900 chariots of iron. And he oppressed harshly the children of Israel for how many years? 20 years. Harshly oppressed. So this guy was no good to the children of Israel. And so here we see because of their wickedness, of Israel's wickedness, then God just allowed uh, them to be taken over by King Jabin. Now, what do you think that the children of it did then after these 20 years? Well, they cried out to the Lord. Wow, it's like they know how to do this well. They cried out to the Lord. And so we see that uh, after Ehud dies, Israel reverts back to wickedness. Again, you guys, this is going to be a common theme in the book of Judges. God raises up a judge, Israel turns back to serving the Lord, and then when that judge is dead, Israel goes back into wickedness. And so we see that again with the children of Israel here in chapter 4. And so before we move on, though, going into Deborah, I want to look and see that Israel, when the accountability was there, they reverted back to sin, And so the question for you tonight is, when accountability is not around you, do you fall back into your sinful ways? Say you're not uh, around church family anymore. Maybe you're by yourself. Are you going back to your sinful ways? If there's no accountability around you, if there's nothing to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong, do you slip back into those sinful ways? Because here we're seeing that Israel did that. Their judge, Ehud, who brought them back to the Lord, was dead. And so the children of Israel then reverted back to their sinful, wicked ways. So if you are doing that, understand this. Just like Israel, there is a consequence for going back to your sinful ways. There's a consequence. Israel's consequence was that they were sold into the hand of Jabin. who who treated them harshly for 20 years. See, the thing is that we have to understand is, is that Jesus Christ has delivered us from our sins, right? Well, that's what the Bible teaches, and that's what I believe. And so Jesus delivered us from our sinful, wicked ways by dying on the cross. And because we have forgiveness of sins through Jesus, what should we do then? We should abstain from our fleshly desires because Jesus has paid the price for those sins. He's taken those sins away, so we should abstain from our fleshly desires. The thing is is that we will still have fleshly desires because we still live in the flesh. But Jesus tells us in his word to abstain those fleshly desires. In fact, Peter said to the church, he said, beloved, I beg you, As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Now remember, as I told you in the beginning, who is writing the Bible? God. So here God is saying what to us? He's begging you to abstain, hold back from fleshly lusts, fleshly desires, Peter continues and says in, in verse tw- uh, 12 of chapter 2, he says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, by living, an honorable, uh, by living honorable to God, our actions can be a witness to non believers. Our actions of abstaining from the flesh can be a witness to those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. They can point people to Jesus. And see, we need to understand that God uses our actions as a witness to glorify His name. Uh, an example of this for me was, back when I was working at Circuit City, how many of you guys remember Circuit City? Okay? It's better than Best Buy. Anyways, as I was working at Circuit City, there was this guy, I was back in the car stereo area, and there was this guy who was always trying to push my buttons. And he knew that I was a believer. And he would always push me. Come on. He, he, he called me Cluth, right? And he goes, come on, Cluth, get mad. Come on, I want to see you get mad. Get mad. And he was constantly doing this. Constantly just pushing my buttons, trying to have me freak out. And he would mock me. And he would say, you don't stand up for yourself. You can do whatever you want to Eric. He doesn't stand up for himself. (laughs) But by me not acting out in wrath was pointing what? That I had Jesus in my heart. Me not falling into the fleshly desires of acting out in wrath and punching this guy in the nose (laughs) was a witnessing that God was working in and through me to point people to Jesus, the guys around me. And see, when we're walking in the ways of God, this is a critical thing to do, walking in the ways of God. Because when you're walking in the ways of God, as we'll see here in a minute, walking in the Spirit, that walking is a light beam that goes out into this world that people can see. See, Paul referred to it, like I just said, walking in the Spirit. He says in Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He later goes on and tells us what walking in the Spirit looks like. Galatians 5.22-23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So here Paul lays it out. Peter said, I want you to abstain from your fleshly desires. Well, what's the opposite of walking in the flesh? Well, walking in the Spirit. And here we see what walking in the Spirit looks like. Living in the Spirit, the Spirit of God, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. See, if you walk in the spirit, you will abstain from the desires of the flesh, which are, found in Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. But you got to understand, though, guys, family, you can't walk in the Spirit and walk in the flesh. What do you mean? You can't walk in the Spirit of God, love, peace, joy, and then be in adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. They don't work together. In fact, Paul tells us that in Galatians 5.17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh are opposites. They're like if you had two magnets. If you had magnets, what's going on if you're trying to put the magnets together? Do they go together? Hello? No. They push apart And that's exactly what happens when you're walking in the flesh or trying to walk in the spirit. You can't do it, they push apart. It's either one side of the coin or the other. Paul gets really real with us. He says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you understand what Paul is saying? If you are of Christ, then you have crucified your flesh with its passions and desires. What is Peter telling the church to do? Abstain from falling into your fleshly desires. And if you are professing Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're saying, I am crucifying my desires of the flesh because I want the Spirit of God. You're crucifying this. This is a huge statement. All those who are of Christ have crucified the flesh. Have you crucified your flesh? Crucified means kill, destroy, not hang on to, not put it on on Friday night when you're going out with the fellas, out to the bar, not going out at night because you want to go do your own thing. That's not crucifying your flesh. That's walking in the flesh. And we are told if we are in Christ, we have crucified our flesh. That is a big deal. If you belong to Jesus, you should not be walking in the ways of the flesh. If you are walking in the ways of the flesh, Paul says that those who practice such things, he said what, you guys, will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that doesn't wake us up tonight, I don't know what does. If that doesn't wake you up, that if you're walking in the flesh, and we read that list of walking in the flesh, Paul says it in Galatians, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Heavy, but praiseworthy. Why do I say that? Because God loves you so much to tell you to stop walking in the ways of the flesh, to walk in the ways of the Spirit. And give us a chance to repent and ask for forgiveness. And we know in the Bible that Jesus is just to forgive us. And so because of that, Jesus is so worthy of our praise, you guys. Because if you are walking in the flesh, you have an opportunity to repent. And to get right with God. And to start walking in his ways. You're still breathing. You can still repent. That is praise worthy. (laughs) Praise God for the forgiveness. Praise God for his grace, his long suffering, his mercy, his slow to wrath. Because many of us can fall into walking into the flesh. But if you do, be quick to repent. Don't do it at all. But if you do fall in, repent. Ask for forgiveness. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to fill you up. I want to walk in those ways, Lord. I want to walk in your ways. And I believe that he will help you. Walk in the Spirit even when accountability is not around. The Israelites didn't do it. Ehud was living, then he died, and then they went crazy and went off on their own way. So many of us can do that too when accountability is not around. When you go home, when you're all by yourself, no one else is looking. You can go into your own fleshly desires, but don't do it. Walk in the Spirit, even when accountability is not around. Continuing on in verse 4, now we're going to look at being obedient. Now Deborah, a prophetess, uh, the wife of Labidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Verse 6. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinom, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river of Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go so she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey. You are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And we'll stop right there. Now we see Deborah coming in on the scene. And Deborah, you guys, we learn in the passage, is a prophetess. She's a prophetess. And yes, God uses women in a mighty way. God fills women with the Holy Spirit, with the gifts of the Spirit. But we don't have time to go into that study. We're going into this one right now. But she was a prophetess. And she was a wife. And she was a judge for Israel at this time. And we see in our text that the people of Israel would come to her for judgment. They would come to her for judgment, and so then, one day, she sees, uh, she, she wants to speak to uh, Barak. And she says, hey, has not the Lord God of Israel command you to go and de- deploy troops? Go and deploy troops. Take with you 10,000 troops with you. Because I will bring uh, Sisera, uh, Jabin's commander of his army. We're going to have him come, and I'm going to have him delivered into your hand. The Lord was speaking through Deborah. And what does Bar- Barak say? He says, I'm only going to go if you go. I'm only going if you go. And Deborah just got done saying, "God speaking through her. What did God just say? I will deliver him into your hand. Where's what, what the questioning about that? But anyways, he stands up and he says, I'm only going to go if you go. I'm not going to go if you don't go. So Deborah tells him that she will go with him. But guess what? You will not have the glory because God will give the glory to a woman. So as we continue on, Barak gathers the troops. And in verse 11, uh, it says, Now Heber, the Kenite, of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zanim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera uh, that Barak, the son of Abinom had gone up to the Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Herosheth, Hegim to the river of Kishon, verse 14 then deborah said to barak up for this is the day in which the lord has delivered sisera into your hand has not the lord gone out before you so barak went down from mount tabor with 10000 men following him and the lord routed sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before barak with sisera alightened from his chariot and fled away on foot Verse 16, but Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harosheth Haggiam, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. Now we're going to pause right there. I know, right at the tip of the, the, the story, right? But I want to look at Barak's, his decision-making of not rising up and going when the Lord had told him without hesitation, See, Barak had doubts, didn't he? And because of this hesitation, going back to it, God would use somebody else to give the glory of delivering Sisera to. He would give the glory of defeating this great general to somebody else.
0: There's much more Pastor Eric would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Grace to the Hearers the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Cluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges next time. You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at gracetothehearers.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. You can learn more about Grace to the Hearers, Calvary Chapel Coolidge, and Pastor Eric at our website, gracetothehearers.com. All of Pastor Eric's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. Though God doesn't need our money, He most certainly uses our stewardship and faithfulness to accomplish His will. Would you consider giving towards the ongoing expenses of bringing you Grace to the Hearers on this station? If so, a secure option to give a gift of any amount is available by clicking the Donate button at GraceToTheHearers.com. That's GraceToTheHearers.com. Again, to make a secure donation, log on to GraceToTheHearers.com. From all of the production team here at Grace to the Hearers, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Grace to the Hearers.